0: You are listening to a sermon from First Christian Church of Van Alstine, Disciples of Christ, located in Van Alstine, Texas. I pray that this message blesses you and gives you comfort and hope in Christ throughout the week. Now, please enjoy this message from Dr. Doug Brown. Our
1: scripture reading today will be Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 5. He entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Jean Green tells of putting her four-year-old son to bed one night, and it was a, a wrestling match. He went to bed, but he kept saying, Mama, I need a drink. Mama, I need a snack. Mama, I need to be covered up. And after 15, 20 minutes of this, she had had enough. And she said, listen, if you say Mama one more time, you're getting a spanking. So it was quiet for a few minutes. And then he said, Mrs. Green, can I have a drink of water? (laughs) Now, was that little boy wanting water, or was he wanting attention? Today's biblical passage is a part of the story of Zacchaeus. What was it that Zacchaeus needed most of all? Did he need to know the truth, or did he need attention from someone who... Truly loved him. In Jesus' day, there were robbers who would hide along the roadway and attack people and steal their their valuables, much like the story of the Good Samaritan. But the greatest thieves were the tax collectors. They had a, an agreement with Rome, and the Roman government required that a per capita tax was paid for every citizen. And then the tax collector could keep whatever else he could squeeze out of the citizens. And so they were notorious for cheating people and gouging people. And they were despised and they were were shunned by society because of uh, this role they played in representing the Roman government. And if they happened to be Jewish, they were viewed as traitors by the Jewish people. I read a story a while back about Pablo Picasso, he was a famous painter and there was a Dutch grocer who had amassed a great collection of beautiful uh, paintings and this Dutch grocer's greatest ambition was to get an audience with Picasso and get to see his studio and so one day he had the opportunity opportunity to do that. And he went around Picasso's studio, looked at each painting hanging on the wall, and he offered a self-important assessment of each painting, as if Picasso wanted to know what a grocer thought about his paintings. Picasso didn't like the man because he was rather arrogant. Finally, after he'd seen all the paintings, he said to Picasso, I understand all your paintings except one. Picasso goes, oh yeah, which one is that? The man said, it's the dove. It's just too simple for me. It's too primitive. I think I'm too intelligent for that painting. Picasso smiled and he asked the grocer, do you understand Chinese? The grocer said no. Picasso said, well, six million other people do, so you're not that smart. And he showed him the door. (laughs) Picasso despised that man. Zacchaeus lived in a culture in which everyone around him despised him. He was known to represent the Roman government and to cheat people out of their money. Now, in this story, Jesus travels to Jericho. Jericho was um, quite a distance away from Jerusalem. It was on a, a plain that bordered the Dead Sea on one side and the Jordan River on another side. There were two men who would always remember Jesus' trip to Jericho. One was a blind man that Jesus healed, and the second one was a short man, Zacchaeus. One of the men was extremely poor, and one of the men was very wealthy. What are the things that we can learn from the story of Zacchaeus? there are four things I want to suggest. First of all, curiosity. By this time, Jesus had become a well-known personality. He was well-known in all parts of Judea and Samaria. And there's no doubt Zacchaeus had to have heard of him on at least one occasion, probably more. Can you imagine what would happen if Tom Brady or LeBron James, showed up at the Stonebriar Mall next Saturday? Hundreds of people would rush to the mall. They'd want to see him. They'd want to see who he's with, see what he's doing, maybe get to hear him address the crowd. The same would be true if a famous movie star showed up, Brad Pitt or Scarlett Johansson, or a famous TV personality, Jerry Seinfeld or Ellen. Human nature has not changed all that much down through the ages. So we know what was happening when Zacchaeus went to see Jesus. There was a great deal of notoriety surrounding Jesus at that time. And crowds of people would rush to where Jesus was going to be, trying desperately to get a good spot so they could see Him, and they could hear what He was teaching, and if they got lucky, they might get to witness a miracle. So Zacchaeus was drawn to Jericho that day, at least in part, by curiosity. Now, there may also have been something deeper going on with Zacchaeus. Maybe he recognized he was living a dishonorable life. And maybe he discerned that Jesus was the one who could put him on a better path in life. It also may be that Zacchaeus knew Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector, so maybe Zacchaeus knew Matthew or knew of him like an acquaintance. And Zacchaeus sees that Matthew has joined the disciples. He's a tax collector. Maybe Jesus sees value in tax collectors that other people don't. I want to tell you about a seventh grade science project. Nathan Zoner in uh, Idaho Falls, Idaho, entered the science project, and he won the statewide competition. And his project was to illustrate how people are too quick to become alarmed about conditions in the environment that they don't even really understand. And so he had a project, he created a website, and his goal was to get 50 people to sign up, to sign a petition, to ban the use of dihydrogen monoxide. Now, here are the reasons that he promoted. It can cause excessive sweating. It is a major component in acid rain. It can cause severe burns in a gaseous state. Accidental inhalation will kill you. It contributes to the erosion of our natural landscape. It decreases the effectiveness of automobile brakes. It is found in tumors of terminal cancer patients. He asked 50 people to sign a petition banning this chemical. 43 signed agreeing. Six said they were on the fence about this issue. And only one recognized that dihydrogen monoxide is water. (laughs) They were alarmed and they wanted to ban it because he was promoting it in such a way. He even had a website and you could get t-shirts that said ban dihydrogen monoxide and at the bottom it said no dihydrogen monoxide was used in the making of this t-shirt. <laughs> Have you ever worn a t-shirt made out of water? <laughs> what is the real truth? Hard to know in our culture sometimes. Zacchaeus raced to be a part of the crowd that heard Jesus that day. But when he got there, the crowd had already gathered, and he was of such short stature, he couldn't see. Now, it's not hard to imagine the crowd wasn't going to offer any help to Zacchaeus getting in a better spot. They hated him. They detested him. And it's easy to picture the derisive comments they might have made. Some may have called him names. Some made fun of him because of his stature. Maybe there were even tough street kids who threw rocks at him as he climbed up in a tree. But Zacchaeus was undeterred. And most of us have had the experience of learning that we can't allow criticism to keep us from going where we need to go. So Zacchaeus climbed up in a sycamore tree. He ended up having the best seat in the house. And Jesus looked right at him and said, Zacchaeus, come down, make haste. I will be in your home tonight. Lawrence Wood went to college in Chicago and he tells of something that happened his junior year. He and some friends were going to go up on the roof and watch the sunset. So they went up to the fifth floor where they had a place they called the beach. And it was a, a deck where they would sometimes sunbathe. And from there, they climbed even higher up on the, the tile roof, which had a steep incline. He had a friend who was going to take pictures of the sunset and they watched the beautiful sunset as it, as it came down over Lake Michigan and over the Chicago skyline and over their campus. And when it got dark... Lawrence got down first so he could help guide his friend who had uh, camera equipment to carry. And Lawrence was on the deck and he backed up to get a better vantage point on how to guide him. And he backed up and he backed right off the fifth floor deck. He remembers falling through the air and he had two thoughts. One, this is how my life ends. Second, I'm not going to get anything done today that I had planned. And then his body slammed into the fire escape and miracle of all miracles, he was able to hold on. Took him on a gurney by ambulance. He remembers nothing between falling and waking up in the hospital. He woke up the next morning in the hospital. And do you know what day it was? It was Easter Sunday morning. Lawrence Wood says, some people are brought down by gravity and some people are brought down by grace. And he can testify to both. Second lesson we can draw from the story of Zacchaeus, repentance. Luke doesn't really tell us what Jesus said to Zacchaeus. But there's no doubt that what transpired between Jesus and Zacchaeus left Zacchaeus a changed man. The crowd ended up gathering outside of Zacchaeus' house, but they couldn't really hear what Jesus was saying. And can't you imagine that many of them were wondering why Jesus chose to go home with Zacchaeus, a tax collector? The Jewish law stipulated that you should give 10% of your money to God. But when someone had a profound encounter with Jesus, they would want to do more than just the bare minimum required by the religious law. So Zacchaeus pledged to give half of his wealth to help the poor. And for the people he had wronged, he promised to pay them back Fourfold. Jesus saw that Zacchaeus was changed. It was a dramatic change. Sometimes people come into the life of the church and they intentionally choose to stay on the fringe because they're afraid of what's going to be expected from them. But real repentance is demonstrated in people who are changed. A real encounter with Christ must leave us different from what we were before. A number of years ago, there was a U.S. Airways flight from Tampa to Milwaukee, and two young men convinced the gate agent that the pig they had with them was a therapy animal and needed to fly in the cabin with them. After some resistance, the gate agent approved this arrangement, and so the pig was brought on, and the pig actually lay down across three seats in the front of the cabin. It weighed over 300 pounds. When they got up in the air, well... Evidently, the flight attendants hadn't secured it very well, and the pig got loose, and it began roaming up and down the aisle. People described the pig as being enormous, brown, angry, and smelly. And the pig kept going up to people and rubbing its snout on their leg, wanting them to give him food or pet him. Well, on landing, the pig got frightened and began to squeal all the way toward the front. And when they finally landed, it took all four flight attendants to get the pig off the plane. And then the pig escaped into the terminal, and it took them an hour and a half to be able to go and recapture that pig. So they had a staff person for U.S. Airways who had to make a statement for the press. And the statement was one sentence. We can confirm that a pig was on a flight to Milwaukee. And we can confirm it will never happen again. (laughs) That is repentance. It happened, it was a mistake, and it will never happen again. Zacchaeus was changed dramatically. For someone whose life had always been focused on making money, even when it meant he had to cheat people, he knew if he was going to show others that he was changed, he would have to change how he handled money. So he pledged one half of his wealth to help the poor, and he promised to do better than make equal restitution to the people he had wronged. Sometimes in the church, people shy away from making a commitment because they focus on the question, what is going to be required of me? But when we have a real encounter with Christ, the question we should focus on is what can I do for my Lord who has already done so much for me? Years ago, Abraham Lincoln, before he became a president, saved his money and intentionally went to a slave sale in the South. He bid on a young slave woman who was about 17 years of age, who had been a slave all her life. There were other bidders, but Lincoln was undeterred, and he showed demonstrably that he would not lose the bidding war. And eventually he did outbid all the other bidders. He gave his money, and the owner of this young woman brought her to him, shackled and with a padlock holding the chains together, dropped the woman at Lincoln's feet and gave him the key. Lincoln bent over, unlocked the padlock, took the lock off, loosened all the chains, and to the woman who was still on her knees beside him, he said, you are now free. He said, what does it mean to be free? He said, you can think anything you want. You can say anything you want. You can go anywhere you want to go. He said, I can go anywhere I want to go? He said, yes, you can go anywhere in the United States, you want to go. He said, then I choose to go with you because you have saved me. Genuine repentance focuses on the question, what can I do for my Lord who has already done so much for me? Third lesson from the story of Zacchaeus, kindness. The sycamore tree that Zacchaeus climbed on that spring day at Jericho has become one of the greatest pulpits in history. It preaches a message first and foremost of kindness. It was through kindness that Jesus brought about tremendous change in the life of Zacchaeus. What if Jesus had chosen a different approach? What if Jesus had railed against Zacchaeus and his evil ways? Zacchaeus, you're a child of the devil. You grind up the poor and you turn widows and orphans out into the street. You shall never escape the damnation of hell. Even today, it is so easy to pass judgment and dismiss others in a derisive way. Jesus looked at Zacchaeus with compassion. Jesus' compassion was broad enough to include even the publicans, the despised tax collectors. Jesus looked at Zacchaeus and saw there was good in him, so he reached out in love to draw out that goodness. Jesus was always eager to reclaim the ones that had been cast out by society and ostracized. Jesus was always willing to reclaim those that weren't valued in society. A word of kindness and an act of compassion will do far more to promote the kingdom of God than judgment ever could. Tim Keller is a well-known pastor in New York City. He tells of an experience he had when he was in seminary. He had to do a a semester internship as a chaplain at a mental health hospital. And as he was making his rounds, he discovered one man who sat in the hallway every day with his knees pulled up, his arms wrapped around his knees, and the man never spoke, never responded when Tim talked to him. So he asked the officials at the hospital how the man got like that. And he was told they don't know how he got like that, but nothing they have tried in the hospital has ever worked. He's been there for years. They've tried medication. They've tried personal counseling. Group sessions. Nothing has ever worked. But Tim Keller decided in his semester of chaplaincy internship, he would relate to this man in any way he could to show him kindness. Whenever he walked down the hall, he would lean over and offer greetings and and. Tap the man on the shoulder or give him a hug. He would wave to him. And every day he would sit across from him for 20 minutes and talk to him in a kind, generous spirit. And when it came time for his semester to be finished, Tim Keller sat across from the man one more day. He became saddened. Maybe there's no hope for this man and so he sat in the same way as the man across from him. He pulled his knees up and wrapped his arms and he dropped his head down. And then he began to express his frustration to God. Can there be no hope for this man? Tim Keller began to cry. And then he heard a voice that was unfamiliar. And he looked up, and the man sitting across from him had spoken. The wall of silence had been shattered. Who knows how or why? And then the man said to him, I have been needing to write a letter. Could you get a pen and paper for me? So Tim Keller got a pen and paper and prepared to write what the man wanted to write in his letter. And so the man started his letter like this. Dear Mommy and Dad, I have met a man, and I think... Likes me. It is through kindness that we will have the greatest opportunities to expand the boundaries of God's kingdom. Fourth lesson we draw from the story of Zacchaeus opportunity. The final lesson we can draw is to recognize that when Jesus gave Zacchaeus the opportunity, he embraced it. Jesus said, Zacchaeus, come down make haste. And Zacchaeus acted quickly. Not only did he bring Jesus into his home, but he also brought Jesus into his heart. How many people, when they are exposed to the Gospel message, say, I will attend to that later. How many people... Say, I'll take care of spiritual matters at another time. Once the kids are grown and gone from the house, or once I'm through with my school program, or once I have success in my profession, then I'll get my spiritual house in order. But Zacchaeus did not wait. He recognized there was something missing in his life, and once Jesus showed him what abundant life could be, he readily embraced it. Who is to say how many opportunities we will have? Who is to say we will ever feel compelled again as we do in this moment? Who is to say our hearts will always remain open to God? When Jesus offers an invitation, it is always best to respond in that moment. And that is exactly what Zacchaeus did. I remember some years ago, hiking in the mountains of Colorado. And as we got higher in the mountain, the trailhead came to um, a creek. And we had to cross the creek. And there was a sign after you had crossed the creek that said, Last chance for water. Warning people that if you go higher up, you need to get water now and take it with you. And I've often thought about that sign as it relates to life. Last chance to speak a word of kindness. Last chance to tell someone you love how much they mean to you. Last chance to express remorse. Last chance to offer encouragement to someone who is down and out. Jim was a businessman in his mid-40s. The company started sending him to Japan. He'd been married for many years to a Christian woman named Helen. But while he was in Japan, he was unfaithful. He began to have a relationship with a young Japanese woman named Harkuma. And finally, Jim, when he came back to the States, told his wife of 25 years he wanted a divorce. He wanted his freedom. He didn't want to be in marriage anymore. Of course, Helen was heartbroken. Well, what could she do? So Jim continued traveling over to Japan and cultivated his relationship with Harkuma. And then when he was back in the States, he got a message saying she was pregnant. So he sent her some money. He began to send an allowance. And a, a little girl, black-headed little girl named Jasmine, was born. Jim would send them money from time to time. And then one day, Jim became violently ill taken to a hospital there in Chicago where he lived. And the doctors discovered he had a rare form of cancer. And it was aggressive, and it was moving through his body rapidly. They said he only had a few weeks left to live. Some common friends got a hold of Helen and let her know what was going on. She had gone through all the stages of grief when Jim cast her out. But as a follower of Christ, she felt as if Jesus expected her to not turn her back on Jim in this moment. So one day, she showed up at the hospital at Jim's bedside. They tried to talk, but it was awkward and it was tense. And finally, Jim began to cry. And he asked for Helen's forgiveness. And before she knew what she was saying, she said, of course I forgive you. I I can't hate you. I can't harbor hate in my heart. Of course I forgive you. Is there anything you need me to do? And Jim said, it's Harkuma and Jasmine. All my money has gone to hospitals and doctors. My life insurance policy is still dedicated to you. But I'm worried about what will happen with Harkuma and Jasmine. Helen didn't know how to respond to that. So she left the hospital. She prayed for days. A few days later, Jim passed away. Two days after his funeral, Helen sat down and wrote a letter inviting Harkuna and Jasmine to come live with her in Chicago. One month after Jim passed away, there was a heartfelt scene at O'Hara International Airport as Harkuna and Jasmine made their way to Helen, who received them with open, loving arms. Sometimes we have opportunities in life to reflect the Spirit of Christ, and we don't even recognize them for what, we, what they are. We're so caught up in our own anger or resentment that we can't see the opportunity. Before us. When Jesus offered Zacchaeus an opportunity, he embraced it. I want to share something that Virginia Askew, a pastor, has written about the story of Zacchaeus. What Jesus showed to a chief tax collector in Jericho is that God accepts and transforms the unacceptable, God loves the unlovable. God forgives the unforgivable. Zacchaeus was saved by grace, and so are we. Let us pray. Dear God, we do thank you for the opportunity to learn from the story of Zacchaeus, one of the last people that Jesus called to follow him before his death. Help us to recognize that even in our own lives, there are opportunities for us to reflect Your love and Your Spirit of grace to others. We ask that You empower us with the presence of Your Spirit so that we might always rise up to what You expect from us. We ask all these things in Christ's name and for His sake. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to this message from First Christian Church of Van Alstine, Disciples of Christ. We are located in Van Alstine, Texas at 274 South Waco Street. If you would like to contact us, our office number is 903-482-5515. And email us at fccvanalstein at gmail.com. Our service times are Sunday mornings at 10.50 a.m. Day School at 9.45 a.m. For more information, you can visit us at FCCVATX.org or find us on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening and may God bless you.